0: Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, editor in chief of ALM's award winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Carbonite Business, online backup for your law office. Carbonite Business backs up your files automatically and continually, so you're always protected. Try it free at Carbonite.com and get two free months with offer code LTN and Firm Manager, an entirely web-based secure practice management application from LexisNexis that lets you take your office with you wherever you go. Check it out at MyFirmManager.com.
1: And welcome to our November 2011 edition of Law Technology Now. I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News with ALM here in New York. And we have a wonderful program for you today. We're going to talk about compliance. And uh, I've been uh, uh, preaching quite a bit lately that boys and girls, if you think eDiscovery was fun, just wait. Because I am absolutely convinced That compliance, which has already generated its own buzzword of information governance, is going to make... uh e-discovery look like child's play. I'm going to introduce you to our two terrific guests momentarily, but first a little housekeeping. As always, to remind you that there are three different ways you can access our podcast. One is at lawtechnologynow.com. That's the ALM site. Our Legal Talk Network site is at legaltalknetwork.com. And as I always say, because we're so cool, uh, you can also find us in the iTunes podcast. And a quick aside, speaking of Apple, if you haven't already bought it or downloaded it, I cannot recommend highly enough um, the the Walter Isaacson's book on Steve Jobs I'm been I'm in the middle of it and it's it's just breathtaking so I highly recommend that okay on to today's business I have two wonderful guests for you uh, Theodore aka Ted banks who has been with me, the in, my entire career, my 26 years at 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 ALM, we go all the way back to Council Connect, and the um, online uh, uh, seminars we used to do together. So Ted, thank you very much, and Christian Lipford, who is also someone who's been active with ALM almost that long, and it's just an absolute pleasure to have both of you here. And I'm going to start with Ted, and Ted, tell the audience a little bit about your journey along with us at ALM.
2: Well, thanks, Monica. It's uh, great to participate with you, as always. My journey into the world of legal computing started when I was actually a law student many years ago and had to figure out how to use a word processor one weekend when no one was around, but I had to finish that brief. So I resolved at that point never to be at the mercy of someone else when it came to automation. And when I joined the in-house staff of Kraft Foods a couple years later, uh, somehow I blabbed about the fact that I knew how to use a word processor. And all of a sudden, in 1976, I was assigned to be the lawyer responsible for computers, I don't know if they use the word automation then. So I have had the joys and sorrows of tracking automation and the legal practice as it developed over the course of my legal career. Uh, a couple years ago I decided I wanted to try something a little different and I'm in private practice and I'm proud to report that this morning I helped a colleague with her computer and I was able to plug in the loose power supply court, ah! <laughs> and, and I'm a hero. So, folks, you take it from me. But there's nothing like experience to to help out in this area.
1: And tell us, tell tell the audience just a little bit more about you now have, are working for um, a firm as a practicing lawyer, but you also have a consultancy. Tell us about the firm and about your consultancy.
2: Right. I, I, I am counsel to the firm of Schumann, Updike, Kaufman, and Scharf. Uh, a boutique law firm with offices in New York and Chicago composed of, uh, a bunch of fabulous lawyers, of course. Uh, I have a consulting firm called Compliance and Competition Consultants, uh, and we help companies on their compliance programs and including wherever possible automating the processes to, to help them do their job more efficiently. Uh, I, I'm interested in how compliance, automation, legal services actually impact the average employee and always want to do things from their point of view.
1: And Christian, let's turn the mic to you. You, too, have also, have been a longtime contributor to ALM. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey.
3: Uh, well, I, I guess... Thank you, Monica, and good to be on with you and Ted. Uh, I guess mine started... Um, Steve Brill was uh, on the diving team and the swim team I was on in uh, high school. So I go all the way back to, you know, before, uh, you know, before the legal technology space developed and got reported on. But, um, the, I got started in the technology side when I'd gone in house in Slumberjay and I was located overseas and I traveled a lot. And this is mid-1980s. And I got my first laptop at the end of 1985. And it had, at the time, a 20-megabyte hard drive. And it was great. Uh, and I traveled all over the world with that. And when I moved from slumberjay to Amoco in 1988, I found that I had more computer savvy than a lot of the other people who I worked with. And I just tried to maintain a 15-minute lead over them uh, for the last 20-plus years.
1: Terrific. And tell us a little bit about your um, uh, consultancy now and what you did prior to the consultancy. Okay.
3: Uh, I now am engaged in information governance consulting out of Houston, uh, basically advising companies on their information-related policies and procedures and how they go about structures and how you implement a management of change process to move from where you are today to where you want to be sometime later. Uh, Before that, I'd practiced law for 30 years, most of it in-house at Schlumberger and Amoco and BP. My last two jobs at BP, one was as the program director for global information and records, and then following that, I was the uh, information policy director charged with integrating all the various inter- information policies across the corporation.
1: Well, over the last two or three years, compliance has certainly become a uh, much more visible uh, uh- Uh, topic within the legal technology community, and I'm finding that it's almost always in the same sentence with risk management. And um, Christian, you did the byline on the first of the two articles that we did with both of you in the current issue of of Law Technology News, which can be found at lawtechnologynews.com. And the first article was called Business Case. Information governance can be expensive, but Not adopting compliance programs can cost much more. Um, tell us a little bit about why compliance seems to be have just exploded over the last two or three years.
3: Um, well, uh, the results in a bunch of cases... Uh, and a bunch of um, above-the-fold Wall Street Journal articles. I mean, the big companies are being called to task, and they're also having to incur huge discovery expenses, collecting and reviewing a bunch of information that, frankly, they probably didn't need to still have.
1: And, and part of the exposure on this has also, if, if I remember your article correctly, been factored in because of the huge number of new regulatory um, acts and requirements such as Sarbanes-Oxley, uh, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, Graham-Leach. It, it seems like there's this convergence between the litigation and the of course, now, with the whole fi- the two thousand and eight financial explosion, um, it sounds like like there's a lot of activity coming maybe on two different fronts. Um, in your article you you talked about why, as we said, you have to do this or you risk really having tremendously challenging costs um, Tell us a little bit about compliance with internal policies and why that's important.
3: Well, the as a fundamental tenet of corporate law, uh, the uh, servant is responsible for following the instructions of the master. And in the corporate law context, uh, first you have a corporation as part of its existence needs to comply with applicable laws or put its corporate charter at risk. It's sort of a fundamental assumption that you're involved in legal activities. But beyond that, when the corporation establishes internal policies, those are instructions from the master to the servant, and the servant needs to comply with those. In addition, also as a matter of corporate law, the the directors and officers have a responsibility to protect the assets of the company. Now, you can think of that as the manufacturing facilities and the customer lists, but it also extends to all the proprietary information. Uh, all the information that's been created or received in the course of that company's business.
1: Ted, any thoughts on your end about the internal policy aspect of this?
2: Yeah, you know, I think from the from the uh consistency of of corporate conduct, you have a couple of things that are at work here. Number one is uh the ability of the company to explain what it does in a litigation or regulation context to a skeptical plaintiff's lawyer or government enforcer, it, you know, what you want to be able to say is, here's our policy regarding information management. Um, it is it followed, and if something is not here, it's because, according to policy, we didn't retain it. Um, and if you have a consistent adherence to the policy, that sort of explanation will be persuasive, uh, as opposed to a sloppy uh, set of practices, which would lead someone to assume that they have a case for spoliation uh, of, uh, yeah, of of key records to to frustrate some sort of litigation or government investigation, but I think the second reason goes back to to Christian's uh, theme of his article, which is for business reasons, doesn't it make sense to be able to find stuff that the company uh, creates uh, to avoid reinventing the wheel? If, if someone's going to do an intellectual work product, you want to be able to capture that and be able to get the uh, business benefit of the investment that's already made there. And so for a lot of companies, um, the the reason you want to do it is not necessarily because of litigation, just because it's like throwing away money when you have people working hard, doing things, and then no way to retrieve what they've done or or even know what they've done so, so to me, this shouldn't be a terribly difficult, uh, business sell, but sometimes you need to make the litigation case to convince people. Um, and the unfortunate, uh, trend that I've seen over the years of doing this is that at the foundation of every compliance problem, of every legal problem that companies have, is usually a records management or information governance pr- uh, problem. The the sloppiness or or the intentional conduct always is reflected in how they treat business records, and uh, it's unfortunately consistent uh, across every area of law, and it's so consistent that last year, the United States Sentencing Commission considered whether to make uh, having an effective records management program part of the federal sentencing guidelines, They decided against it, but I wouldn't be surprised if this comes up again in the future, particularly continue to see a pattern of criminal problems uh, linked to or reflected in records management problems.
1: Well, that's a great, great place for us to take a quick break. And uh, we will be right back after a word from our sponsors, Carbonite Business and Firm Manager from LexisNexis.
0: You've heard of Firm Manager. You've seen ads for Firm Manager. Now you can try Firm Manager free for 30 days at www.myfirmmanager.com. Firm Manager is the web-based matter management application from LexisNexis that lets you run your practice anywhere, anytime, including your desktop, laptop, mobile phone, or iPad. Take the free 30-day trial today at www.myfirmmanager.com and spend less time focusing on clerical work and more time on practicing law. Backing up your business files can be a hassle, and it's hard to know if you're doing it right. That's why more law offices are using Carbonite Business Online Backup. With Carbonite Business, your files are backed up automatically and continually. They're stored safely off-site, and each employee can access their backed-up files privately on any computer or on their smartphone or iPad. Try it free at Carbonite.com and get two free months with offer code LTN. That's Carbonite.com, offer code LTN. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960. Or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com.
1: And welcome back. I am Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News. And we have two terrific guests here today. We're talking with Christian Lipford and Ted Banks. And uh, any final words before we um, uh, jump over to discuss your product review that you both did? Um, uh, Christian, was there any final thing you wanted to say regarding your article about the business case for information governance?
3: Oh Yes, Monica, thank you. Uh, I guess to tie it all together, there are three major issues here. One is, how do you integrate your information management practices into your overall compliance agenda? Next, how do you deal with ownership? Who owns the the success or failure of the information governance processes? Is that a single individual, a department, or a coalition? And third, the main problem here, both from a cost standpoint and from organizational efficiency standpoint is over-retention. And how do you get your arms around the over-retention and get people to get rid of stuff that the company no longer needs?
1: Excellent. Well, I really appreciate that summary. It's a good one indeed. And the second article that appears in our current issue is Perfect Fit. And you're looking at CCH's medical uh, software, compliance software that you both are suggesting just might be a blueprint for not just um our legal industry but perhaps other industries as well. Ted, start us off by telling us a little bit about what the CCH product is.
2: Well Monica, let me let me start one step before that. Uh, let me tell you why we did this. Um, Christian and I have been frustrated with <clears throat> the use of the term compliance by a lot of people who sell some sort of software product. Uh, whether it's a uh, a records management program or a a work process program or or even something less. Uh, They throw the word compliance out there because of the scary nature of the concept. Oh, my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. And at the same time, we know that there's a huge opportunity out there to use automation tools to help the process, to help companies to help law firms actually get in compliance with something and the opportunity the communications the development of the software seem to be working out of step so we said okay let's take a look at what is out there and see if we can talk about it in a way that that will make sense. Uh, the other area of, uh, of frustration that we had is a pretty consistent experience that the vendors' websites are not very instructive. So when I would hear about some program that would call the compliance program, I'd go to the website and i I'd look at all the descriptions and it was full of adjectives, and I still didn't know what the product did at the end. So we said let's drill down and let let's start looking at these programs and really talk about it from the standpoint of the user and how it might be helpful. So w- one of the ones that we started out with, or the one that we started out with uh at fairly arbitrarily was the CCH MetaRegs program, which is a program designed to help companies in healthcare comply with all of the regulations that they have to think about every day. And it, it, it this area, I guess, is in one sense well-suited to have automation because there's a defined regulatory regime that is imposed by the Department of Health and Human Services that basically tells hospitals and other medical service providers what they need to do uh, to comply with the government regulations, have an effective compliance program, uh, et cetera. And it's of course is driven by money. People want to be able to qualify so they can get reimbursed by Medicare, uh, Medicaid, and other programs. And in order to do that, you have to have all of your, your ducks in a row. So that's what this program is designed to do. And it seems to me that uh I guess to jump to the end, a lot of interesting learnings have gone into it that could be applied to other areas of the law.
1: Before you go into the end, Christian, tell us a little bit about how the Medirigs ComplyTrack suite. What is it exactly and how does it work?
3: Well, yeah, uh, Monica, it it has several different modules um, that can track various activities. Some of the, the core ones being the event tracker that would be helpful in case management from a compliance standpoint in order to track all of your activity and interactions that you might do after a, a query comes into your hotline. But it also had, to me, some very interesting survey tools where they had question sets, uh, that uh, just collections of different questions that they'd send out to different uh, parts of the organization. And all the questions were yes or no. But they allowed you to pinpoint what were the type of regulatory concerns that might be arising in that portion of the business, and therefore be able to go back in and tell them what they need and help them with their processes. Uh, and um, another module that I thought was very good was the policy management module, where it manages the adjustments to the various policies that the company has created and suggestions and changes over time as the regulations were Whatever the business process has changed,
1: and it also had something called Survey Manager. Um, Ted, can you tell us a little bit what that is? Uh, which I loved your description of it. You called it Survey Monkey on steroids.
2: <laughs> well, you know the w- one of the the key uh, tenets of compliance is to get information to employees and to figure out what exactly they know or they don't know or what are they thinking, what are they perceiving. And, and if you have a way to to communicate with employees, such as with a survey, um, you can target your questions to the performance of a compliance program and really get answers that will help you, number one, communicate uh, the, the key information, and number two, try to perceive whether there are any problems, Th- this is, a to me, an, a powerful tool to help satisfy the requirements in the federal sentencing guidelines to have an effective compliance program to prevent and detect violations of law and uh, the, the ability to communicate with the um, with the, with the with the average employee you know it's not just the 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 CEO or the senior executives but the people who actually are running the company who are working for it um is uh you know they're the ones who really can make or break what a company does so to me this uh the ability to reach into the organization is is a key component of a good compliance program. And, uh, you know, it's here deployed in the medical industry, but certainly this kind of, of technology could be deployed in any sort of company.
1: And we're running out of time, unfortunately. So I'm going to ask each of you to, to uh, answer one last question, which is, what do you think the best lesson for legal is from this product? But also, after you do so, would you tell our, our listeners, please, how they could reach you? And let's start with you, Christian.
3: Um, from the legal side, w- what this product allows, what you should focus on is, how do, you, how do you provide evidence that you took your policy seriously and you made reasonable attempts to enforce them and monitor them and keep them up to date? And a tool like this could be useful in that, in providing a record over time. As for getting in touch with me, I can be reached at Christian at Lipford, that's dot
2: consulting.com.
1: And Ted, uh, you get the uh, last word on how it can be applied to legal and tell our listeners, please, how they can reach you.
2: Okay, thank you, Monica. The, the the learnings I have from a from a program like MetaRegs, which I think our conclusion was that it was really very nicely done, and it was almost unfortunate that it's only only available for the healthcare industry, uh, is that this shows how one can think about applying automation techniques to any sort of compliance role that you have. The federal sentencing guidelines lay out steps that companies can follow. And if you think about going through each of those steps, what kind of information you need, who has the information, how can you get it, how can you track it, how can you later prove it should a prosecutor or a plaintiff ever challenge your actions, this is sort of a an interesting guide to how to do it. And uh, even if you don't do something quite as elaborate as MediRegs, it is possible to to think about this in your in-house system just in terms of your record keeping of how you track what you do. Even if it's just having a very organized records management system for compliance, uh, you can still make a lot of progress. Uh, as you could, as you probably can tell, this is an area that really excites me. And if anyone else has uh, any. Questions about it or has some ideas, I'd love to hear from you. I can be reached at tbanks t b a n k s at Schumann, s c h o e m a n dot
1: com. Well, my warm thanks to both of you. You were phenomenal, and I I just thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us on Law Technology. Now, I hope we will do more with you in the future. Um, and a little bit of housekeeping, uh, just to remind you, there are three places to find us. On the ALM site at lawtechnologynow.com, our partners Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com and the iTunes podcast library. As always, my thank you shout outs to Boston at the Legal Talk Network, to Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Huckman and Kate Kenny. here in New York, the ALM team of David Jasper, David Snow, Jill Winward. And to thank, once again, our wonderful sponsors, Carbonite Business and Firm Manager from LexisNexis. We will see you in the December issue. And always remember, and this is dedicated to Texas, there is no crying in baseball or technology. I'll see you next time.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. It's officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.